0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode one thirty-two. Nomad Santangelo here, but we do have Pepperisha back, and he's back on Eastern Standard Time. Pet, how are you? How are you liking this side of the world and waking up to football news in the morning as opposed to midday or whatever? It's
1: very strange, but it's uh, interesting. And I'm in uh, north of you, and it's cold. So yes. uh, yeah. It's very cold. And I yeah, you're trapped inside today
0: in, in the six. Well, actually, I'm, yeah, I'm looking in, outside
1: interrupt. and the snow not looking too bad. So I might venture out after, after a couple of calls. Let's see.
0: Well, you're full of shit then because you told me you were trapped. Dude, but anyways, it was like snowing um, so much. I was
1: like, I can't go outside. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I mean, great to link up. This is your first episode of 2023. Um, this football season has been very great to you uh, in terms of club. Arsenal is incredible this season. Um, You know, we talk about it all the time and what it takes for a champion to become a champion. You not only have to be good, you have to be healthy, and you have to get a bit of luck on top of it. Arsenal is getting everything, every bit of that right now. Yeah, I mean, even health hasn't necessarily gone your way with losing Jesus the way you did during the World Cup. Um, This is incredible. I mean, just the, the overall mentality from what we saw around this time last year to, you know, crashing out of top four, losing that spot to Spurs. And now, coming back the way you did against United and, and multiple other matches, what what ha, what has been your overall takeaway between Arsenal this season and last season? Outside of the overall quality increase, it, it, the, the mentality side of thing is completely different. I think it is, and it
1: isn't like i I think the context behind last season's uh fade away was literally that we faded away in terms of energy and personnel. Ben White and Gabrielle had to play through a lot of injuries. Tommy Asu was never really fit in the second half of the season. Party was injured um we even had Jack get injured for the first three months of the season after the, the Spurs game at home, so. There was never really that much consistency. You know, we started the season with Odegaard, but actually dropped him out of the, the lineup, would you believe, to play Lacazette and abameyang up front together. And that worked for a bit, so we stuck with it. And then, you know, we brought Odegaard back in. He started playing really well and he never got out the side since. And he's now probably been the, the best player in the league alongside Haaland this season. So I think there's been, you know, some players getting better. The ability to play on the front foot, Actually having a striker has helped. You know, we basically played with 10 men last season, the entire season, um, and more depth in defence. We now have two really good left-backs, two really good right-backs. We've added a, a good left-side centre-back compete with Gabriel, who, who you know a lot more about than myself in kiwi because I know Milan were also linked, as well as Roma and, and Dortmund and a few mm-hmm. other clubs. So that's a good sign when, when clubs like that are chasing a player. I don't know too much about him, maybe you can tell me. But I think overall... Been a mentality shift that the players in terms of Gabriel, Jesus and Shinchenko coming in have, have really upped the, the mentality levels um, and then I think being able to play like really on the front foot and aggressively high up the pitch with Saliba and Gabriel at the back has, has helped and um, yeah, Jesus has probably been the most transformative player I've seen at Arsenal since Alexis Sanchez a decade ago so um, that's, a, that's a big compliment but I think it's, it's the truth, <laughs> uh, he's been that that great. And I think even without him, we've seen Eddie and Ketu's kind of learned from him and continued his form from back end of last season to, uh, to this season. And it's been, a, it's been an amazing start, but we can't, we can't, we haven't won anything yet, right? So uh, you of can't, course. you can't count your, uh, count your, know, your chickens just yet.
0: I think, I think the culture change is the, is the biggest difference. Um, and it's, I think the most underrated aspect in this sport because so many times uh, how we see clubs fall off from what they usually were is just the culture and paradigm shift. Like Barcelona is a perfect example. The Milan clubs are an example. What we're seeing with Juventus right now is an example. Spurs never really had that culture, in my opinion. But just from what they were making that Champions League final to now, I think it's evident. Um, Manchester United is probably the best example in the Premier League, even Arsenal to an extent, but what United were at those levels under Sir Alex Ferguson mm-hmm. was a substantial drop-off, especially considering the amount of investments that they continue to make. We knew your investments fell off substantially. Mm-hmm. It was totally and Every now and then, you know, there was Odesil, there was Alexis Sanchez, and every now and then, like, a bigger investment, but as a whole, it just wasn't on the same scale. Uh, just a player like Eddie Nketiah six years ago wouldn't have happened. What, what's happened to him this season, you know, like running towards the end of his contract. Uh, there wasn't really any certainty about a new deal. And he comes in and that type of finish uh, to beat United was just your typical Povetrius goal. Uh, and he scored different types of goals this season. I, I just think the overall depth has been so impressive. Uh because it, it was really just Tierney, and Tierney's missing time. And and, the, and then again, you have Zinchenko is a massive upgrade. Jesus is a massive upgrade, whether or not it's disrespect or not. And we were sitting here almost 12 months ago where we're getting people criticizing Mikel Arteta for getting rid of his best goal scorer. And I was kind of sitting there saying, well, it's not just about the goal scoring. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is. It's not what it ever was, you know? Because if it was simply about goal scoring, then he stays there was many underlying issues about him and what Arteta was trying to change about the club. And over time, it's aged well. Um, I mean, you say so it's I, just
1: about goal scoring, right? But uh, it's not like he's gone crazy on the goal front back at, uh, <laughs> back in the Premier League, right? And um,
0: He's it, been on three different clubs since last January. Yeah, and, I mean, wanted where, to leave, and to wants
1: to leave this January, but can't because he's, he's already moved too many clubs, right?
0: So yeah. yeah, I think we know what uh, what the <laughs> answer is there, right? I yeah, and, and again, i th- I think it's I think it's really silly because uh, we we have this topic. I did a I did a video on this yesterday, and I think I kind of want to shift over to Manchester City uh, right now. And I know that really wasn't supposed to be a topic today because it's supposed to go to Chelsea. But it's impossible not to talk City when when Arsenal is playing this way. They're the biggest threat for this title, obviously. Pat, there's not a dumber take in football right now than saying Erling Holland is making Manchester City worse. We just <laughs> talked about the two most important players, arguably, for Arsenal this season were former Manchester City players, and and Gabriel Jesus. Uh, let's not even forget um, Raheem Sterling. Not even talking about how Jack Grealish isn't even close to the amount, uh, to the player that he's supposed to be for the price that he was bought. Julian Alvarez, as talented as he is that's not the type of player that's going to hit the ground running. Um, And then we see injuries to their midfield players like Calvin Phillips. And now the Bruiner is missing sometimes, sometime. How is it the guy that's on a historic goal scoring pace is making the team worse? If it's not for him, we're actually talking about a potential city, not in the top four, arguably. (laughs) Well, Um, uh, I mean, that's a, that's not, it's not as simple as that, but that's, it's not an audacious thing to say. He he scored a lot of their, their goals, right? But I, th- I think what um, so my take is
1: City have less control, but they're more devastating and they've brought Haaland to win the, the, the Champions League. Like City is still going to get 85 plus points this season in the Premier League. <laughs> like That's the pace that they're on. They're not necessarily going to get worse, right? Even if they do, what are they going to get? Like over 80 points? They could still win the league with that. It's unlikely considering Arsenal's pace, but It's not impossible considering uh, previous seasons. They sacrificed, you know, they lost Raheem Sterling, who was a goal and assist contributor, but didn't help the control and the facilitation, right, of of attacking. They lost Gabriel Jesus, who was an incredible presser, who did help the uh, facilitation of that attack. Um, and they lost Zinchenko, who, you know, maybe wouldn't have been a big miss, but like Cancelo has been off form and Pep has dropped him mm-hmm. and Walker. So you kind of end up in a situation where the guys you thought were going to be the guys for the entire season aren't. And that has been made the, the Zinchenko sale, I think, emphasized. And so he set up the team to try and feed Haaland, right? He's got Foden or Grealish on the left who are trying to facilitate and he's got Mares on the right or sometimes Foden on the right to try and help facilitate and create. And then it's basically, that has allowed them, the kind of more deeper wide players has allowed them to go not 4-4-2, but like to higher up and try and facilitate and get close to Harland because you don't want to leave them alone on an island. So they are not worse, they're just different. And I think the difference means that they give up more chances. And that makes them a little bit more vulnerable. They give up more possession. There's more turnovers because they're trying to feed Harland more um, on breakaways whenever they get the ball, cross more. And all those things lead to like more turnovers where City can be hurt in transition, right? And so I think they've given up a bit of control for more devastation. They're not worse. They're just different. I, I, I don't see it how you can say they've been worse. Uh, or they've been made worse. I think there's a few intangible things, right? Like, sometimes you get winning fatigue. They've won four of the last five titles. What Sir Alex did amazingly was always replenish. it, whether it's his assistant coach, whether it's selling Ronaldo at the right time, or maybe a season too late, whether it's getting rid of Berbatov when he didn't fancy him anymore, or wanting to sell Rooney, like he, he tried to sell Rooney a bunch of times, and or bringing in someone like uh, Van Persie, right? Uh, to get them over the line, yeah. that new fresh blood. And so I don't know if Pep did enough of that this summer. Maybe there was one more player they could have got in the attacking wide areas or in the kind of attacking midfield areas that could have just replenished it enough, right? Is there room for another uh, Sané in this squad, right? Like they were linked with Liao and Faradona a lot um, since, since the season started, but I think that's going to be the next few... Jack Grealish, to be fair to him, I think has been amazing in 2023 so far. Like, you know, he's never probably going to be a hundred million pound player, whoever is. Um, but I think he's been really, really good and, you know, scored the winner or set up the winner against Chelsea it was an important game, scored the, the opening goal against United. He looked really, really good against Spurs, I thought in the first and second half. So I think, you know, that's a player that's going to contribute. Phil Foden's really good. Mares is really good. Just felt like they needed one more in those wide areas. The other intangible is like Bernardo Silva wanted to leave. Pep usually never keeps players that want to leave. Jesus, Sinchenko, you can name but a it, bunch but of But it was others. probably
0: to go to the, the only club that's difficult to sell to, I guess, at this point. Cause it was just really Barcelona links. Well, it was PSG where, where else well. was he going to go? PSG right?
1: as well, right? Um, so yeah,
0: after the, they spend so much and so the, many other the, Those were the two yeah, main links. Sure. But
1: Either way, that was, that's another intangible factor. You've got Gundogan, who's rumoured to leave and go to Barca at the end of the season. So there's a, there, it's a team in transition and maybe a team that should have got another either midfield or a wide player, right? To to, to pad out that um, attacking force and not rely too much on Haaland. But listen, they're still amazing. I think they're just more devastating than they were. Um, but they lack a bit more of the control. It's it's like a pendulum, right? You, you've got to give something up to get something.
0: Yeah. Um, again, transitional errors happen all the time. Uh, but I, I just, I couldn't believe everything I was, I was reading with the Holland stuff. I thought just, it's just, it's, it's a thing called the Hewing theory over here. Patrick Ewing was a player on the Knicks. He was an incredible player. And after he got injured, um, they started playing very well. Um, and there was this whole thing by Bill Simmons. I'm not sure if you know who he is. I do. He, know, yeah. he created the ringer. Yeah. So, his whole thing was the Ewing theory on if you lose your best player, like, you get better, and somehow, like, he arrived at the deduction that your best player makes you worse, and it's all like, come on. It's, it's just stupid. It's just silliness. Um, I think it's just exceptionalism from a lot of fans uh, in general that just try and bring Holland down for whatever reason, but the fact is this. He scored over 20 goals already in the Pemberling in his first season, and he's still under 23. So there's there's nothing left to say about that. I think they've been uh, still a very good set. That's the standard as well for Manchester City. It's just they're still at a at a great pace, but it's not. It's like they're not ahead of Arsenal. And I think people just want to also scoff at the fact that Arsenal are in first. I still think people won't admit that. Uh, straight up, but it's pretty obvious they have a hard time admitting what Arsenal's done's been really terrific. Hmm. Slowly people I think are coming around to the fact Yeah, that's always a uh, lack, because right. of the Right, like come on. Because because it's so easy to run with this Arsenal narrative, like, oh, they're gonna slip up, they're gonna have this, they're bottlers, there's there's all these other things that you could point to uh without accepting that this is very serious now. They they have to be taken seriously. And I, and I think this is only the beginning, obviously. I think I think you're going to see more players now take this project serious. We've had this conversation with Sant'Angelo about if you're a player right now in the Premier League and you're trying to move to another side, yes, there's the Chelsea's of the world that could give you all these lucrative deals, but as a f- from a footballing perspective and still wage perspective, Arsenal could still pay you well. You're still going to a Premier League side, uh, but footballing perspective, how many other sides are are better at the moment to go to to develop as a footballer in the Premier League, and I think it's really just Manchester City, if it, if that's the main argument, and think that's fair for what they built over the past decade. But I, I don't think you could really pick anyone else but Arsenal at this rate, and and that's a testament to what they've done. Uh So Chelsea, I mean, just just on that quickly, like <laughs> uh,
1: sure, I, I I truly believe that footballers really want to work with Mikel Arteta. Like, there is just no doubt in my mind now. can can
0: be disputed at this rate. Yeah. yeah, like,
1: there is no doubt in my mind right now that the guy who has taken the Saka, who was playing at left-back, and made him the best right-winger in the world, he's made a rotation option in Elian Ketia be one of the most ferocious scorers in the Premier League. Like I think he's got, like, 25 goals in 18 Premier League starts or something like that when he starts. So when he starts his scores, he's got like 0.8 goals per per game in in 2023 so far in the league. He's made Odegaard realize his potential. Gabriel, the player that Gabriel came into the club from Lille as compared to now, you're looking at like a burgeoning world-class centre-back. Like what he's done with Ben White, amazing. Like what he's turned Thomas Partier into in that holding midfield option. Granit Xhaka is having his best season at Arsenal ever in the attacking eight. Now, Gabriel Martinelli, the, play, the raw talent he was compared to now, is just like a different, mm-hmm. different world of player. So, this is a guy that is, and his coaching staff, because I think the coaching staff's really good, is really good in improving players. And you know, the, the one big link at the moment is Declan Rice in terms of Arsenal doing that in the summer. The entire football industry knew it was an open secret that he'll go back to Stamford Bridge and go back to Chelsea. His family yeah. still have a box there, all that kind of stuff. It was a known secret. At some point, he'll go back to Chelsea. And Arsenal is so attractive right now, and the coach is so attractive right now for a player to develop. And in the way that Declan Rice wants to develop to become more technical and more rounded, there's no better place, right? And if you're an attacker now and you're thinking, wow, who's going to take you to that next level? I think it's probably him over pretty much any coach in the world right now.
0: Yeah, there is. There isn't. There isn't much argument with that. Uh, considering stability and long term with a club as well, like, and, like say Real Madrid for instance, what they've done with Vinny is great, but Ancelotti's probably not. I, I wouldn't even be shocked if he's gone this summer. It's um, great, but like, it's how, how much yeah. should
1: Rayner and Rodrigo improve? Like Rodrigo has, but like,
0: of course, to the of same course. level. I, I mean, know. it's just really maybe maybe Fede Valverde, but even then that's taken years and multiple managers. That's not even just an Ancelotti thing. So I think you're right in that. I, I think it's it's a destination that is going to be heavily sought after for a lot of players. On the Declan Rice front, who knows? I think if they keep on whiffing on Enzo Fernandez, I think Chelsea is probably just going to pay up big because I don't think Boley cares. And I think that's the next topic to head to at this point. Um, Todd Boley and Chelsea. They're getting a lot of flack. I think it's important to note that FFP really isn't a factor in this because of the simple fact that he wiped their debt. Um, He's spreading out these wage payments, and there's been a lot of complaints about these contract lengths. To me, it's kind of stupid. Like, get over yourselves. Um, If they want to do that, then let them. I mean, I I don't think there needs to be a limit on contract lengths. I think that's kind of silly, in my opinion. If a club wants to do something like that, let them. Because it's not... it's. We're acting like it's some guarantee that all these deals work out for Chelsea. They could all easily backfire, um, or the majority of them. Um, so I don't I don't know why that's gotten to that point. But simply, to me, and and I think you kind of agree with this in the sense that there doesn't seem to be that much of a concrete plan. There is a plan in the sense of we want these young, controllable, super talented players that we give them incredibly long contracts, we give them above-average wages um in the front half of those contracts. So like Mudric for a hundred million, at the moment the transfer fee is incredible. But the fee that he's the the wages that he's getting paid right now, you could say he's getting a lot more than probably what his product is or who he is as a player. But in three to four years, if Mudric turns into the player that they thought he could be and will be, he's probably going to be underpaid. So in that sense, he's a great signing. But for me in Chelsea they still haven't fixed the midfield. Grand Potter is is even up for that job. Uh, Kulabali could be on his way out already. Uh, just Mud- Mudrik looked great in, in the instance that he came on this past match week. I, Pet, long term, maybe it works out. They'll probably have enough money for this, but I don't see how they are in the short term going to be winning any major trophies. I really don't. Um, I think this is a longer term project than many want to admit. And I think they, people get clouded by seeing all this money being spent and they just assume that it's going to be a quick turnaround. I don't see it. I I really don't. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I think, I think Chelsea have done a good job of trying to get in talent and, and they've approached this much differently than most clubs have. But again, none of, none of these moves are slam dunk, especially as a, as a whole. All of them put together and they're still looking apparently for two more signings this window.
1: This is the worst sports project in the world. (laughs) No, no, like maybe the New York Knicks. I don't know. Like there is no, (laughs) no, no, they're a little, um, there's nothing worse, right? Like they have no idea what they're doing. It is an absolute mess. They, uh, if they don't make Champions League this season, it's going to be an issue, which they won't 100%. Next season, True. if they don't make Champions League, could be like really bad. I think what people don't realize is Todd Bowley is getting this money from funds. Funds require ROI. They are in mm-hmm. any every everything to make money. And that fund have given Todd Bowley a blank check to go and invest money that they think will return an investment. Where is that ROI going to come from? TV money. But it's basically. not. But it's not. Like, there's no. Well, I'm um,
0: saying that's how they see it. Of sure. Course, yeah. but,
1: but also, it's a property thing, right? If Chelsea are bought for $4 mm-hmm. billion, and then United are bought for $6 billion, and Chelsea have a, a better stadium, a better training complex, they have better broadcast uh, rights, which they need probably. to invest in. Yeah. Maybe they're worth $8 billion in mm-hmm. 10, mm-hmm. 10 years, right? But the ROI here is just not going to happen. My prediction is they are going to keep spending this window, next window, maybe January 24, maybe summer 24. But at some point, and I don't know when, the penny will drop to Boley and the fund that they are not going to make money from football. Because I I saw a really good tweet, and you can tell me more about this, Martina, because I don't know the baseball world. But it was like, Bowley's giving out baseball contracts without baseball revenue. And it made me laugh, because American sports are very good at making revenue for the franchises so far. It's lucrative to be an American football team owner or a baseball team owner, for the most part, if you get your wish. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, 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 oh. It's oh it's incredible. It, so, I could, I could explain this to a lot of non-baseball. If you have a final point, go for it. Uh, my, my final point is,
1: with football, the money you make has to come from so many different sources and player trading Correct. and so on and so forth. It's so much harder to guarantee revenues. With baseball, you have mm-hmm. a set amount of expenditure. With football, you don't. Correct. Arsenal might have to, might know what they want to spend in 2023, but they might have to give Bukayo Saka £250,000 a week. Suddenly, your expenditure goes up £15 millions. Yeah, sure. But your expenditure goes up £15 million a year. Yeah. That doesn't happen as much in, in American sports. You, you have a cap, you have the cap Correct. expenditure, and yeah. y- you therefore know if you make any money over this, you're making profit. It's way more Correct. attractive.
0: Correct. Yeah. So there's so many different things. Um, first of all, there's a players union, uh, in American sports, uh, which is very important because the negotiation of revenue split between players and an ownership and the league itself is very important. So that's why you see whenever there's lockouts in certain leagues, when, you know, the NBA had that partial lockout, the NFL's had it, even Major League Baseball had to come to an agreement this past, uh, season. There's so many different things. Put it this way. Baseball, in terms of the other, in terms of American sports, is is dying relatively to the younger demographic. Right there's there's not as much interest as there used to be. It has to do with attention span. The games last a lot longer. An advantage that European football has over many other things is that they have ninety minutes. Right, twenty five minutes in in your first halves, and then. You go into a 15 minute break and then you 45 minutes and you're done. That's it. There's no commercials with baseball. I've been there for five hours at games and, and that, and that's daunting for a lot of people. But at the same time, we know how to do business. We know how to do business better than anyone in the world. And I don't care what anyone wants to tell me. You want to complain about Americans, this and that. Fact is this football, European football is the most popular damn sport in the world, right? There's no disputing that. The amount of viewership a league like Serie A has in in terms of TV, just for an example, because that's the league I watch most, they they would blow Major League Baseball out of the water. Major League Baseball is still smashing TV deals that the Premier League can't even step to. And that's incredible. We're talking about the most popular league in the world, right? domestic leagues, because we're not even talking about Champions League. There is a clear gap, and this is why the Super League has been brought up about this and why massive clubs, even, even like Chelsea's of the world, like everyone agreed to it at one point is that UEFA is taking in way more money than they should be. And there isn't enough money going back to the clubs relative to the amount of people that are watching it. The Super Bowl, for example, over a hundred million people within the U.S. watch that, right? There's a, there's about over 300 million people in this country. Um, so we're talking about over a third of the people watch that. We get over a billion people watching the Champions League final on an annual basis, right? That's not even including every other knockout stage. So there should be far more lucrative TV deals coming in relative to the amount of, of viewership that is there. Um, and, and again, the Premier League, what has separated you guys from every other league now is how great you're, you're doing business with, you know... NBC over here or I believe it's Sky Sports is the main carrier for the Premier League in England. Am I correct with that? Say or, that again, sorry? Oh so who carries the, the, the matches in, in England? Is it Sky? Sky's the main It's
1: a mix. It's really fragmented now. So it's mainly Sky, BT and Amazon.
0: Okay, so so it's spread out. It's whatever, probably like 40-40-20
1: right? in that, or 40-40-15 okay, so, in that. Okay, so kind of. over
0: here, there's also local markets in which people can watch their games. Like, I watched New York Mets games on SNY because they carry all the local games. Then there's the nationally televised games, and then playoffs, which is the postseason, the knockout matches there on national television, and then they get their revenue from there. There's the stadium revenue. We're not even going to begin to talk about how most teams in America, own their own state. Um, whether or not it's built by the public, that's a totally different thing because that's been a big issue because taxpayers are paying to build the stadiums and whatever. That's a, that's a side thing. But the fact is this. Americans do business better than anyone else in sports, and it's reflective in sports that aren't even relevant in Europe. Major League Baseball. You don't give a shit about it, despite me trying to tell you to get into it, and I <laughs> understand. No, 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 it's true, though. But, but, like, think about that. The average person just doesn't give a damn over there. But yet, we're still blowing the most popular sport in the world out of the water. Isn't that a problem? How is that not a problem? The NBA, you could say that's understandable because of the popularity and the, and the rapid growth worldwide of the sport. The same thing applies to the NFL. Um, domestically, it's it's dominant. Like, Anything you've ever seen, they own a day of the week, and the only other organization that owns a day of the week like that is church. <laughs> okay, it's the Catholic Church. They own Sunday. There's no one else. Um, and for me, it, it's just it's just not possible. You're talking about ROI like that. The Los Angeles Dodgers are one of the biggest brands. That's what Todd Bowley's ownership group is coming from, right? Um, yeah. What they bring in to the stadiums annually is insane. Their brand is absurd. They're they're great at selling. Um, their marketing is fantastic. Advertisements everywhere. The average advertising deal in the Premier League for these Premier League sides is not great. It just it just isn't. And if that's not going to change, I don't know what will. And Chelsea again, as you mentioned, Stamford Bridge is at its at really. Um, it's a fucking terrible and, stadium. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been there. I've heard only bad things about it. Um... But again, it's it's true though, and we've seen a lot of top clubs in this sport. Pet have outdated stadiums, stadiums that aren't modernized, um, and and we're really relying on UEFA and FIFA to help bring in money for these countries to build new stadiums. Right, like like Italy was again another example of they were trying to get the Euros, and what would help in building new stadiums is generating and bringing in money for the Euros, right. We see it with Brazil with the World Cup. They were able to build stadiums with the money coming in from FIFA and all that. They're depending on organizations that don't give a shit about them at the end of the day to bring them more money. And I understand where these owners were coming in saying, why do we need them? Why are they taking in all this money when we have the stadiums, we own the brands, we don't need them because we run the leagues like the FAs, like the English FAs, the Italian FIGC, whatever, like... I understand where they're coming from with these organizations, at least with American sports, these organizations work together. Like it's it's a players union and the Premier League would be working together, like Major League Baseball and the players union. They work together, they share that whole pool, and it's billions and billions of dollars. It's not the same with these other leagues. And at the same time, it's sad and disgusting because it's by far the most popular sport in the world. And yet the, the revenues don't reflect that. and And that's the main issue. It's not going to change because we know it's also the most corrupt sport in the world. Um, it varies through country, obviously, but that's the main issue, man. And and I don't see, I think you're right. I don't see how Chelsea are going to fix that and turn that around because how is a foreigner like Todd Boley, who's just coming in and being very brash with the way he's carrying things that we're already hearing about UEFA trying to put a ban on on deals and limiting what, five-year contracts was the rumor. That they want to limit it to. So everything that he's even suggesting, like the All-Star games or whatever, everyone's scoffing at it. But it's like, where's your answer? What are you bringing to the table that could change things? And and no one has an answer for that. So I'm just led to believe that things are going to be staying the same. Um, and as far as Chelsea go, there's no plan, bro. There's no plan. What, like, he didn't even have a director over the summer. He had a different manager. You're purchasing all those players. It's just crazy. Him prior to World Cup. They get Grand Potter in. Grand Potter looks way in over his head, right? I think there's a specific type of personality that needs to manage a club like Chelsea. And I'm not sure Grand Potter has that. Do you? I, I, I don't. I, um, I always had a feeling this wasn't going to work out.
1: Uh, I said it for a long time. Um, Brighton are the best run club in the, in the country, one of the best run in the world. Like they are owned by Tony Bloom. He was like a okay. master poker player, um, okay. pro sports better. He started something called Star Lizard, who were like a betting um, liquidity provider. Anyway, obviously incredibly smart. And he wanted to take his, like, analytical methods for poker betting into Brighton, you know, made uh, amazing amazing stuff on on that end, like the player trading is like out of this world, right? It's better than pretty much anyone now. You know, Moses Saicedo, how Mm -hmm. much was he? Like 10 million euros. They're going to sell him for 120. Um, (laughs) Where did, where did McAllister come from? Right. Uh, You know, they got Tyreek Lamptey for free. Um, Their recruitment's unbelievable and their youth academy is good. And he's then gone to Chelsea, who are the worst run club in the country apart from Everton. So, that's one intangible. The second is he's never worked with stars. He's never worked with Thiago Silva. He's never worked with Aspila <laughs> He's never worked with Pulisic, Havertz. These guys, they're on crazy money. He's never worked with the He's never worked with Kante, Jorginho, World Cup winners. He's not worked with big personalities. First thing he does, he drops Eduardo Mendy, puts Kappa back in goal. Um, toggling too much with the back line. Can't find a central midfield partnership with all the injuries. So reliant on Reese James. He goes down injured, doesn't have a game plan. Can't create any mm-hmm. attacks. Like if you look at the underlying stats in terms of how much XG Chelsea are, playing, are creating per game since he came in, it's disgusting. It's like some of the worst in the league. Um, I don't see that marriage ending very well. And when he's out and you've... It, remember, Brighton have also... I mean, Chelsea have also hired a bunch of Brighton's backroom staff, right? like analysts, scouting department, etc. cetera. Potter goes, like, you've hired them together, right? Who do you get in as a coach? Maybe that coach wants a different scouting department or different way to do coaching, different profile of players. There is just no plan there, and it's not going to work. I, I Modric looks great. I, I would have loved him to come to Arsenal, <laughs> as everyone knows. But you've got him and Felix, and you've got Nkunku coming in the summer, and you've got Pulisic. And you've got ZX.
0: Felix Steele was horrendous. Felix Deal was horrendous. Oh, my God.
1: Dunk of someone that knows nothing about football. Atletico Madrid must have... <laughs> you know that scene in Wall Street? Atletico Madrid must have been like, wait, hold on, they're letting us yeah, extend yeah. him. Yeah, when
0: Leo's on the phone. They're letting us extend <laughs> him. They're taking
1: his wage. They're paying 10 million euros. And it's a dry <laughs> loan. Oh, my God. They must have been laughing their heads off. There's a reason why the worst managed club in the world were the only team that went for that deal. Because João Felix is phenomenal, right? But there's a reason that only one club went for it. When Arsenal and United were interested, they didn't do it. Why? Because it's a crazy double. Yeah. Anyway, I I just don't think this is going to work. I really don't think this Chelsea thing is going to work. And um, let's see where. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but who knows?
0: I I I think they have the potential to turn into what United were these past few years. I I like it's going to end up turning into a certain destination. Like at least Roman was sitting there hiring Jose Mourinho and, and bringing in the players that he wanted. I, I think the difference was he got one of the greatest managers of all time at that point, and then there's Graham Potter.
1: So it it's a creative winning difference. culture, right? And of course,
0: of course, yeah. But, and that's with getting a guy like Jose at that point. Like, there's, there, well, Who's, who's going to want to take this? Maybe someone wants to take that job. Maybe, because it's unlimited resources, but as of right now, I don't see it. Um, I, I tweeted about it, uh,
1: Potter, a while ago. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And what did I say? It's
0: just, I I, don't said, I, mean, I,
1: it's okay, like, I said something like, I said something like, going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think che- Potter will do as well at Chelsea as people think. Taxco's and stats boys love him. There's so many intangible factors mm-hmm. to deal with at this club. And someone who is a taxco responded to me saying, Let's stop with a copian lol. Copium, lol. Potter is a top, top manager. He will absolutely do well, man. I said he could do well, Well, but most well, well, of the top premier. coaches have not done well at big clubs. There's more than mm-hmm. just on the pitch stuff. Egos, crazy new owners. And like, I don't want to take my own horn and say I was right, but like I just don't see this working.
0: Whatever, toot your own horn. If you got shit for it, then you're allowed to. Who cares? <laughs> it's all point of a tape. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, listen, there's a, we know, we know how football fans work at the end of the day. If someone signs with your club, you have to immediately prop them up and say, this is going to work out. That workout It's just fact is Chelsea long term, not in a great spot. Um, also another club, um, as we get towards the back end of this episode and wrap up, um, long term outlook for Inter is a disaster. Um, it's really, really bad. Um, there's multiple Serie A clubs with a bad long term outlook. Uh, Inter Inter is one of them. I mean, listen, Pat. We we see yes, yeah, so this is this is Pazza Inter is basically the translation is crazy Inter. There's always just something crazy about them. The way they go about, though they're very Chelsea-like. There's just never it's just never normal. It's just not domination. They win. There's no controversy. There's always something. Um and so with Inter, Inter this past week, uh, <laughs> We we knew about this Milan-Screen situation. His contract runs out at the end of the season. Uh, PSG have been interested in him. They have not been able to lock down a contract extension. Suning is an absolute disaster. If there's one owner that's worse than ta at the moment, it's probably Steven Zhang. Um, and again, we know the whole situation with Suning. They have been a disaster ever since Suning. I mean, uh, COVID has been a thing due to the funds and China being locked down and and all that kind of stuff. They're in incredible amounts of debt. They've had to sell a ton of players just to keep float. Um, $60 million net is where they need to arrive at. More players are going to be leaving. Skriniar is not going to be extending his contract, so they will not be selling him this month, most likely, Pet. So all of those memes of Inter fans making fun of Milan for losing guys like Hakan Chalanoglu, Frank Kessie, and Gigi Donaruma for free have now backfired on them. They're losing their best defender since their treble-winning side for free. Uh, I understand why they're keeping him through the whole season because they're not going to make top four, and top four brings in so much money for them. And so I think they're going to be taking a massive dent at the end of the day. Um, But Pet, they're a disaster. They're only going to get worse. I think players are going to want out at that club because there's going to be a lack of ambition. You'll see a player like Denzel Dumfries. There was actually a quote that literally just came out when we started recording and it had to do with Steven song and, and the situation with enter. Um, so basically the situation is so dire at the club right now is that Steven song keeps on calling up, um, the directors, which is, uh, Pepe Morata and basically finding out if Denzel Dumfries has been sold or not. That's where we're at with enter. They don't even, they don't even know that. And, and also the quoted prices for Denzel Dumfries have been insane. I've, I've read stuff around $60 million, which is highway robbery for answer, They should do that in a heartbeat. But I also don't believe it because if that was an offer on the table, it would have been done by now. Um, they're toast, dude. And again, another thing that popped up as well is the stadium situation with the Milan clubs. San Siro is basically going to be kept at this point because it's going to be considered a historical landmark. Whereas Milan with new ownership is way is is financially healthier than the majority of Italian clubs and it looks like at this rate if Suning can't get their shit together Milan's gonna go and get this project done themselves and Inter's gonna be left back in the dust that's gonna be an opportunity that will ruin them and see Milan be separated as as a greater situation the only way Inter will be saved at this point, Pet, in my opinion is if a a sovereign state buys them. That's it that's the only way Um. And even at that point, they're going to have to be financially smart. So the amount of debt that they're in, the amount of issues that they have on, on their balance sheet is so catastrophic that it's going to take years for them to dig themselves out of their hole. Uh, Inter are a disaster, and I think every team in Europe should be all over Milan-Screen that has a yeah. center-back issue. Um, if you're PSG, though... But quick thoughts on Inter. But then, if you're PSG, you have to buy him this window. If I, if, if I'm them, I, I would say, uh, I, Pet, you see that defense? That's it's hot garbage. It's if they if they want to win now with Messi, what they have with Messi or whatever version of Neymar might be healthy, you have to go in now. I think this is kind of a wide open Champions League. I'm not that confident in PSG winning this. I've been on that. You've been on that. Um, I, pretty much everyone has, but. I mean, you have to make that move if you're able to, because this is the best defender you bring in since Thiago Silva. Uh yeah,
1: I think so. Um I don't think it will happen in January though for obvious reasons. I think no, um, yeah, yeah. I think their recruitment looks a bit strange at the moment. Um they're linked with Ryan Cherky. I think they go at I don't even know how to say his second name. That's really killing me. hasn't really worked out. They've signed a bunch of midfielders for no reason. Um, Fatinha, Sanchez. Fatinha's been great. Fabiano Ruiz. But Renato Sanchez, Fabiano Ruiz, we've hardly seen them. Fabiano Ruiz has been awful. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of issues um, there on the recruitment side, uh, which is a bit weird, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And, um, yeah, I think Inter have just. Found some pretty interesting solutions, but overall have been pretty bad at recruiting. Like, even the players we thought that were going to be good, like Gosuns, haven't been good. Bringing Lukaku back looks a like disaster. Um, like, where would they be without, <laughs> like, genuinely, where would they be without, like, Jekyll, Glautaro, and Barella? Like, that trio, it, it's, it's, it's bad. Like, beyond that, I think
0: they are, uh, DeFry has fell off a cliff. Yeah. Their failure he's to get the with a year left, right? Uh, yeah, he's he's pretty much gone this summer. So what you're looking at is a whole new defense next season, and it's going to be spearheaded by Bastoni, who to his own right has his own faults defensively, like great ones, I think. Um, I think they were masked by some great players on that side. Um, I think DiMarco has been great too, but again, you're right. Like it's, it's only going to get worse. And if you're a player like Lautaro, like, why would you want to stay at that rate, yeah. right? Like, why? Well, what's the incentive? You've won there, you just won a World Cup, and now you're ha- you have to sit through or rebuild in the middle of your 20s? Well, why? For what? You don't know Inter anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just dependent on where they go, right? Like, if you're Bastoni, you... Like, do you go... Reunite with Conte at Spurs. I don't know. Like, do you want to do that? Like, for, no, because he's, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. But the natural thing is like, do you look in, in Italy? Like, can Milan afford him? Probably not. Can you Keep there up, with no. all what they've got? Absolutely not. Like, oh, Hubert, 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 Hubert. like not Napoli aren't going to afford him. Like, where is he going to go? So that's one of the issues I think some of the interplayers have got is they've got big contracts. They
0: want to stay in, and live in Italy and. Would you see United going in for Lautaro, considering his work rate? He's yeah. a great pressing striker. He's not a great finisher, as we know, unless they really want to make a move for Victor Oshman. I still don't see Napoli going anything under I think 120 he's, um, asking price. Um,
1: I think they, uh, they will try and go hard for Oshman, but he, he won't end up, end up going there.
0: Not this summer.
1: Um, I think Lautaro is actually <laughs> becoming a bit Underrated now that he's getting hated on so much.
0: (laughs) Well, because he's, because, because it's the type of finishes that he lacks. They're very easy finishes. And then you see the chip shot he does in the Super Cup. And you're like, how the fuck do you not finish the chances you had in the World Cup? You know, like it's, that's what makes him, I think, from a $70 million striker to a hundred million dollar striker. Like there's, there's a staunch difference with that because. Harry Kane doesn't miss chances like uh, Lautaro did in the World Cup, um, but Harry Kane's also a loser in that sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Inter are a disaster. Um, I don't, I don't. and again, I think this is just a, a vacuum of Italian football as a whole. Um, I think only Napoli and Milan have moved in the direction of financial health. Uh, I think Roma's doing that because they've taken themselves off the stock market, uh, which was a smart move in my opinion. They just need to figure out the stadium situation. Who knows if that gets picked? But yeah, overall, um, not looking too great for Inter. I think they're a disaster. yar my guess is he goes to PSG. Uh, come summertime, they lose him for free, and they have been linked to Chris Smalling as the replacement, uh, if anyone was interested to know. So yeah, that's pretty much Inter. That's our episode, State of Play, episode 132. I'm trying to do these more weekly. Pet is loving this side of the world, as you could tell. Um, Pet, just plug everything else that you're up to. Newsletter keeps on growing and growing, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's doing decent. Uh, sportingcrypto.substack.com for anyone that wants to to read that. And um, yeah, follow us. Follow me on at AFC Pet for stupid football rants.
0: <laughs> I uh, so so again, this title for Arsenal. If you end up winning it, I just I just want to say, um, is this a top? One moment in your life, that this happens, I know oh, you would yeah. remember the other ones,
1: yeah. right. Like uh, so, I, I would, but like uh, you know, I was seven going on eight when they were the correct, end of sports, correct, right, correct. correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: would definitely top so, like, that.
0: All all the suffering that has gone on. And by the way, um, if Arson Wagner right is not there for the trophy lift, if he were to win this, I think it's criminal. I think he deserves to be there in Staten uh, um, uh, yeah just potentially.
1: I think so I mean I, I hope so yeah I mean this is Nicola Teta's hard work right Um no one oh, else oh no of
0: course I just I just think I don't think there's ever been a manager that got more flack or no support from his club after doing so much for a club you know what I mean uh, it's, uh, it's uh,
1: complicated and that's for I another podcast gonna, uh,
0: it's for another podcast alright alright uh, I, I just Wagner that's
1: there are two sides to
0: that story always are um follow Santangelo at Matt underscore Santangelo. um you can follow me on social media as well at Martino Puccio Twitter um Instagram uh TikTok YouTube uh subscribe over there um I think that's pretty much it um other than that listen to some Joaquin